Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. It's been such a crazy year. It's such a crazy week. We have so much to get to. Uh, and we have to talk about the Vikings quarterbacks, but let's talk about the Vikings quarterbacks in the context of a very interesting division. Uh, the Bears are probably going to have to make the most dramatic decision of anybody about their quarterback. The Vikings are making very dramatic decisions about their quarterbacks of the near future and long future. Uh, the Lions have won big with Jared Goff, a guy who was discarded by another franchise. And then you have the Packers. And we watched Jordan Love light up the Vikings secondary on Sunday night. What does that mean for the future of the Packers, future of the division, future of that rivalry? Let's ask Jeff. We do want to let you know we're coming to from the Aquarius Home Services studios. We want to thank our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. We appreciate you listening. Any show you like at TalkNorth.com, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. And again, we appreciate everybody listens to the network and the show. You might also be interested in the Viking Update show and Dawn of Sports, uh, two shows that also get deep on the Vikings. So, Jeff, what did you make of Sunday night and what does it mean for the future when you watch Jordan Love play that well? Pretty impressive. And if, if you're the Vikings, pretty scary <laughs> prospect when you think about have the Packers indeed found their next franchise quarterback for the next 15 years, a la Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and now to Jordan Love. It kind of it, it's also tells you how valuable it can be if you have the, the capacity to, to groom a quarterback for a couple of years. And in, in both Rodgers and Love's case, Rodgers after Favre sat for three years, Love sat for three years. Uh, until he, until the Packers traded Rodgers, obviously the Jets, and both have started out pretty well in their careers. But but Lo- Jordan Love's going to do something that Favre and Rodgers have not done. If if the Packers can beat the Bears this week, which is no easy task because the Bears are playing well and the Packers are in the same boat they were last year when they lost to Detroit in the finale. But if they do win this game at Lambeau on Sunday. Then Jordan Love's done something that Rodgers and Favre didn't do, which was make the playoffs in their first year as a starter. Hmm. And I, I was very impressed with, with Jordan Love. Early on, he was a little shaky, missed a few throws, overthrew, uh, but but his receivers also couldn't come up with tough catches early. Uh, that game, 33-10, to 10, could have been worse if, if, if he had hit on a couple of those plays. And then you factor in the Vikings – corners were really bad in this game and then they didn't get help from their safeties uh from from uh, smith and bynum and metellus didn't make plays and so you factor all that together but you just look at jordan love compared to the october 29th game in green bay jim and and he's almost a different player and the listening to matt lafleur after the game and talk about his development and how he has come on and just playing such excellent football over the last seven games, really. He's got a 100-plus passer rating in six of the last seven games, and and not coincidentally, the Packers have gone five and two in that stretch. And, and yeah, I I think he's also got the youngest team in the NFL around him. He's got the youngest wide receiver core, and they were missing Christian Watson in the game, who's their supposed number one. But Jaden Reed looked really good, and, and and Melton they picked up uh, kind of as a afterthought free agent. He had a hundred yards in this game, so 
Yeah, Jordan Love, he's got mobility. He's, he's got toughness. We saw that on that kind of bootleg two-yard touchdown run. And But what impressed me most was his poise and his confidence in this game compared to what happened in, in October in Green Bay when the Vikings beat him 24-10 to 10 and held Love to 229 yards, one touchdown pass, threw an interception, was sacked four times, 59% completions. Totally different player in, in the in this game, and, and I think it just speaks to the development that he's had over the second half of the season. And you got to give Matt Lafleur and and Clemens, the QB coach, credit certainly for the work they've done with with Jordan Love, but but give him the most credit because the guy is a talented player. And and yeah, I think it's a, a scary prospect for the Vikings and for the division going forward that this young Packer team is has a chance to make the playoffs and should only get better over time, over time. And their defense that was struggling much of the, much of the year looks really good in this game. But then again, you factor in the Vikings terrible quarterback play from Jaron Hall in the first half. And, and you and I talked last week, and I know you wrote about it this week that it, it was a logical move by O'Connell, but it really did not pan out at all. And who who could have thought that that Jaron Hall would just play so bad and that he would not see the field? And and I and I and I've looked at, at some video where Jefferson and Osborne were, were open on crossing routes and, and he was locked in on Johnny Munt and and then threw it behind Johnny Munt for a critical interception and then didn't get a lot of help from his offensive line. I, I don't know what's happened with Christian Darrisaw, but he gives up uh Strip sacks to Preston Smith, which was the biggest play in the game. And Darisaw has not played really well for the last several weeks. Brian O'Neill, the other Pro Bowl caliber tackle, we thought, had a lot of difficulty with Montez Sweat of the Bears and with Max Crosby of the Raiders. So they've just got to almost go back, reboot that whole offensive line, and not necessarily toss the players out, but just get them playing better. Uh, and figure out what happened to to Derisaw and O'Neill this year, especially the second half of the season. Derisaw was one of the highest-rated offensive linemen the first half of the season. So a lot of things. But getting back to Jordan Love, really impressed with him and, and his leadership, his calm demeanor, and, and the fact that he just has improved a lot and how much we factor in the Vikings' undermanned defense, and obviously they missed D.J. Wanham. I, I think another concern, Jim, Daniil Hunter just really hasn't been impactful, as impactful as he needed to be the last two weeks. He's been sackless the last two weeks. Only one QB hit over that period. He was just named to the Pro Bowl, which was deserved. He's had a great season overall with the 15 and a half sacks, 21 tackles for loss among the league leaders. But down the stretch, and I don't know if he wore down, that he wasn't used to playing that many snaps, or or what what happened and I think that as much as we praise Brian Flores this season, I'm just not sure that he has used Hunter as well as he could have in the last couple of games. And I'm talking specifically last uh, last week against the Packers. He lined him up over Tom, the right tackle, the majority of the time. And, and yeah, he's a second-year player, but he was their highest-rated offensive tackle. So why not flop him over? I know he he's landed up, up in the middle sometimes, but he gets kind of lost in the wash in there. And so, yeah, Daniil, is, again, is setting up a, a very 
difficult decision contract-wise and to see what his market value is going to go to. Is he going to get to the upper 20s? He's not going to get to Nick Bosa at $34 million a year on his extension, and Nick Bosa's actual comp is about 31, but he's probably going to be in the mid-20s at least, and I don't think they have much choice but to get that deal done. I don't think they have much choice but to re-sign Kirk Cousins, and as you and I have talked often, I don't think they have much choice but to draft a quarterback in the first round and develop that player behind Cousins and Jim, you had to be impressed watching that, the the college football playoffs last weekend and watching JJ McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr. Because <laughs> I think either of those guys would look great in purple, especially if the Vikings are going to draft somewhere in that ten to twelve range if they lose as expected in Detroit, and especially when Dan Campbell says he's going to play their starters. Yeah, I, I've been saying that Michael Penix would be ideal here all year. I'm almost, I almost regret that he's played so well in postseason that now the secret's out. Uh, and, but, but it's really fascinating to me. He, he's played better than anybody in college football. And especially from a pro perspective, you know, being able to stay in the pocket, release the ball quickly, read defenses, throw with accuracy, uh, show leadership, be mobile. I, I just love everything about him. It's fascinating because he's right falling in a lot of mock drafts, right about where the Vikings are going to be picking. Yeah, and I think that would be a really perfect kind of pick if you, if you, as we said, re-sign Cousins for a, a shorter deal and maybe the, the torn Achilles will, will kind of lighten his market demand. We'll see about that. All it takes is one team. But, yeah, Penix certainly is a guy. I, I was really impressed with J.J. McCarthy. He's got mobility. He's got leadership. He's only 20 years old compared to Penix, who's 24. Now, that would not scare me if I was a GM, the age factor, because quarterbacks can play into their late 30s now. We know that. And then, of course, Caleb Williams and Drake May and probably Jaden Daniels will be in the top, certainly Williams and May in, in the top couple, and, and Daniels could be high too. Bo Nix of Oregon is, is a, in the first-round mix. But I, I don't know that they have much choice but to draft one of these guys and, and try to develop them, as we've talked about, kind of a la Patrick Mahomes, let him sit, sit for one year, learn the offense, and send Nick Mullins and, <laughs> and <laughs> Josh Dobbs on their way and, and maybe, maybe keep Jaron Hall as, as a third guy. But, wow, I'd, Hall's performance was just so disappointing when – he had he had played decently in that limited play against Atlanta, and and just the fact that the bright lights were way too much for him. No doubt about it. And you mentioned it. The Bears have the most interesting decision. You know, listen, the Lions are going to stay with Goff. He's won a lot of games for them. Uh, Love has proven that he's the the guy in Green Bay. It makes sense to bring back Cousins and to look to the future for the Vikings. The Bears are the one with the toughest decision because if you talk to NFL type people, they're like, well you have to take Caleb Williams. He might be one of the greatest of all time. And then you talk to people a little bit outside the, that inner circle and they're like, God, Fields is playing great. You could draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and maybe Brock Bowers with your first couple of picks and have you know and turn the whole franchise around. You've been in that hot seat. What do you do? Yeah, I think it's a, it is a tough choice. And I think if you have rated and if Ryan Poles, the GM, has rated Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever, whichever guy 
as as a future Mahomes, a future first or second team All Pro, MVP type player, then then you got to go that way because Justin Fields is a really good player, but but he may he doesn't have perhaps that ceiling, but maybe he does. Maybe he's Lamar Jackson in in the future. We don't know with better talent around him. So if if you're not sold on one of those draft eligible quarterbacks, then I would quickly shift gears and trade down a spot or two to maybe set maybe third and let the other let let other teams take Williams and May and then take Marvin Harrison Jr. at number three or number four, whatever. And think about Marvin Harrison Jr. and DJ Moore as one of the top wide receiver duos in the league for Justin Fields. And as you said, they, they'd pick up some extra picks. They're still going to have their own first-round pick, which is going to probably be in that 12 to, to 15 range. And maybe you do get another tight end. You get another offensive lineman for protection. You get another pass rusher. And this Bears team, I think, could be very dangerous. They've already won four of the last five and the trade for Montez Sweat has turned out to be a, a home run for them. As he, he's played really well there. And I questioned the trade when they made it because of the fact that they gave up that high second-round pick next year. But, the, but the, the fact that they got him re-signed so quickly and gave him a lot of money, which also certainly increased Daniil Hunter's market value when Montez Sweat is, is at $25 million a year, just almost at that level. And he had never had a double-digit sack season until this year. Now he has 12 and a half. So there are just so many fascinating moving parts for the Bears and and for the division at the quarterback spot and other spots. And, and it, it really looks like the division as a whole is on the upswing and could be one of the top divisions in the league next year when you figure the Bears are on the come, the Packers are getting better, the Lions are, are going to win 11 or 12 games, and the Vikings won 13 last year before the quarterback problems destroyed them this year. So they could be right back in that same boat if they can stay healthy next year. And it, you, you couldn't help but, but think about certainly, and we've talked about how this season could have gone and, and how if, if Cousins had been there, you know that they would have won three or four more games, that they would have beat – the Bengals, they would have beat the Broncos, they would have beat probably the Bears here, and and maybe even the Lions. They, they'd probably be, be playing for the division title this week, and that would have been an exciting prospect. It didn't happen, and and not only Cousins, then you lose Hawkinson, you lose Wanham, and, and the other injuries that they had, Marcus Davenport was kind of an underrated injury, but, but he didn't stay healthy in New Orleans either last year. And so he just kind of followed form. But when he was in there, that defense was pretty formidable up front. And so just a lot of, a lot of bad things have happened injury-wise this year, starting, of course, with Cousins. But you look at that Pro Bowl selection, and the Vikings get Hunter and, and DiPaolo, the, the long snapper, in, in the Pro Bowl. But you know if Jefferson had been healthy all year, he'd be there. You know that Hawkinson would have been there, and, and probably Cousins. So it's just a, it's a crazy season. It's one of those years, and I lived through some of those years in my GM days and, and my pres, president years in Tennessee. We had a year, uh, we had won 13 games in 2000, 
in 2001, our whole secondary was out, basically, and, and we were destroyed. And, and I remember coming to the Metrodome that year to, to play the Vikings, and Randy Moss went off, and, <laughs> and it was... I was I was very excited to come back home for that game, but not so excited with what I saw as our secondary was destroyed. We won seven to nine that year in Tennessee, but the next year everybody was healthy. McNair was a co MVP, uh, C McNair, and we ended up in the AFC Championship game. So things can turn quickly in the NFL. No doubt about it. I want to ask you about just what it feels like when you get beat that badly by your arch rival bees. Periodically, the Packers just put a thumping on the Vikings. Sometimes it causes massive organizational changes. I don't think that's happening this time, but it is an interesting uh, topic to get to. We also do our picks, the two divisional picks, a couple other interesting picks around the, the league. Right now, though, we want to thank White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always happy to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC with my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin. General Manager Charlie Gutrell and their great staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and you will find $3,500 purchase allowance plus $2,500 trade assistance on 2023 and 2024 GMC Sierra 1500s, 1.9% APR plus $1,250 purchase allowance and no monthly payments for 90 days on select 2023 Buick SUV models. See the world's first all-electric super truck, the GMC Hummer EV pickup and SUV at the White Bear Lake Superstore, which is also the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. And they are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North, in White Bear Lake or online at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. We'd also like to thank longtime sponsor Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, I'm happy to talk about our great sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, have been for many years, and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive VP Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank could be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum, Platinum Bank providing a means to a dream. So every once in a while, the Packers just take it to the Vikings. Uh, and, you know, I think Brad Childress basically got fired after his team collapsed against the Packers. I think Denny Green had a really bad outing against the Packers. There have been some times where it looked like the, you just kind of knew it was over for that regime. I'm not, that wasn't the case here. They're not going to fire Kevin O'Connell or Brian Flores or anything like that. But give us some perspective on how much it hurts to have those kinds of losses come against the Packers, especially at home. Yeah, I, I think that's the difference. A lot of those blowouts have been at Lambeau. And then you look at what happened on Sunday night, national TV, prime time, playoff spot on the line, Seattle gets beat in the afternoon by Pittsburgh, opens the door for whoever wins that game to hold the seventh spot. 
and just needs to win in the finale. But and then you you lay an egg against against your arch rival, and it's just yeah, it's, it's, it's painful in that situation. The Vikings did split with Green Bay this year, which which eases that pain a little bit. But even still, uh, to get beat that badly in a game where so much was on the line, uh, what was disappointing, and, and just the way it came down, the Packers were able to basically do what they wanted on offense. Aaron Jones runs for 120 yards after they st- hold him to 29 yards in the first game. And, and Love, of course, they had him discombobulated in the first game. He, he was a totally different quarterback in this game, which he's been the second half of the season. So it's just a disappointing outcome and it, it becomes a little more painful when it was definitely the Vikings most heated rival, shall we say. But again, it, it just seems to be the, the way the season has gone. The the first bears game, they win in Chicago and then they lose to them at, at home. And same thing with green Bay, uh, Detroit, they played them tough. And they have them again next week or this coming week in, in Detroit. But they played them at least they played that game tough at at, at U.S. Bank Stadium t- two weeks ago in the thirty to twenty four loss. And and we'll see if they can gather the forces. This is a as Kevin O'Connell talked about this week. It's a challenge for the coaching staff to to keep the players focused and and get them even with the the really long long shot for the playoffs. And and we. <laughs> We can you can talk about that all you want and say yeah if you win this and and if three other teams lose it's it's the three percent chance is about right because <laughs> that's about what it is and starting with getting a win in Detroit when Dan Campbell says he's going to play his starters now if obviously they get they get ahead and they get the game in hand he's going to start pulling guys there's no doubt about that why would you risk Jared Goff and St Brown and and uh, Jameer Gibbs and some of these top players that they've got, Hutchinson, but out of the gate, it's just not Dan Campbell's M.O. to ease back in any way, and especially the way that game ended against the Cowboys. Uh, Jim, I thought it w- was kind of comical. If you check out Dan Campbell's media session on Monday, the first session of the week that he had in Detroit, where the the media people were asking him about the two-point play and about having three guys go in and report to the ref and the ref gets confused and and announces the wrong guy as the eligible receiver and then they throw the flag after they have won, basically won the game against the Cowboys which would have won the number two seed and yeah the the referee messed up certainly because because Taylor Decker did say he was reporting and but he with the crowd noise or whatever didn't really understand but the Lions got too cute by sending three guys out there to try to confuse the Cowboys. And Campbell admitted that. But the, the funny thing was in the press conference, they kept pressing Campbell about what happened and, and how he sent three guys out and was he partially at fault. And he's, he's saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and, and, and he keeps these one-word answers. And then finally he says he like almost erupts. He's, you can see him getting really up, irritated with the media people. And then he finally says, hey, our guy reported, he reported, he did what he was supposed to do. And so he finally answers the questions. So it was kind of funny, but it also says that Dan Campbell is, is a little burning after that the way that game ended. And and that's why I don't think he wants to enter the playoffs on two straight losses. He's going to 
he's going to go after the Vikings this week, but we'll see how effective the Vikings can be with Nick Mullins again, who had four interceptions last time against the Lions, but he also had four and 11 yards. And what happened in, in Dallas? Well, CD lamb went off for over 200. So maybe Justin Jefferson could have another huge, huge game, which is very possible. And, and he, get over that thousand yard mark. I think he needs like 120 yards or something at this point. Yeah. I would expect a big game from him. Like you said, Mullins is an easy choice because he at least has moved the offense. Dobbs and Hall were not moving the offense at all. Mullins is moving the offense than making big mistakes, but that's better than not moving the ball at all. Yeah. I think that's true. And it's just, it's hard to get real excited about watching, watching Nick Mullins play just because he, he does these boneheaded, plays such as when he's falling down and decides to throw it to the defensive lineman <laughs> it's just painful sometimes to see the plays that he does make but as you said at least at least he can find Jefferson for for Jaron Hall to target Jefferson only two times in, in the first half that was the first cardinal sin Osborne had no targets in the entire game which I'm sure didn't please him as he's headed to free agency and Addison, I think, had three targets. It was just, it was just a, a mess on offense in that game. And, and, and even as the Vikings were able to run the ball decently against the Packers, they had 4.2 a carry, but they only had 16 rushes because they were so far behind. Yep. So that'll be another interesting thing to watch this week against Detroit because the Lions last time outrushed the Vikings 143-17. to 17. And so can, can they get... Ty Chandler going, can they get Madison going in this game? The offensive line must play much better. No doubt about it. Uh, I'll be in Detroit on Sunday. This is going to be a fascinating offseason. Stay with us here at the Viking Update Show. I'm sorry, at Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider with former Vikings general manager. You can also hear myself and John Krasinski on the Viking Update Show. And again, thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Well, let's get to the picks. Uh, you have Chicago at Green Bay. We've talked about Chicago's decision-making process. Um, it feels like the division is tougher today than it felt like it was when the, when the season began. Oh, definitely. The Bears have won four out of five. The Packers have won five out of seven. The Lions, 11 wins. And, and the Vikings are the team that is having a, a struggle at the end of the season because of the quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think the division, as I said, could be one of the best in, in the NFL next year. And th- this is not going to be an easy game for Green Bay. The, the Bears are playing with confidence. The, the weather is not so cold and so difficult, and the Bears are used to it too. The Packers, as we said last year, with the pressure on and with Aaron Rodgers, couldn't get it done against Detroit with the playoff spot on the line. And LaFleur quickly talked about that that it's a, a very similar situation where they need a, a win to get in. But but I see Green Bay getting it done this week. I, I think that they're they're playing with confidence. The defense is playing better. I think it's a close, close, close game, but I, I think the Packers win this game and, and, and make the playoffs. Yeah, agreed. All right. Mike Tomlin's done it again. The team looked like it was hopeless at times this year. Looked like it couldn't have, they couldn't function at quarterback, and here they are with a backup quarterback making a run where they still you know still have a chance at the playoffs. Uh, playing at the Ravens, who are going to rest their starters. First of all, um, you know how do you view Mike Tomlin's reign? And second of all, 
are you surprised at all that we're going into a postseason where the Ravens are considered the best team? Yeah, Baltimore looks terrific and just crushing Miami last week, 56 to 19 to, to win the top seed in the AFC. And definitely looks like the Super Bowl favorite after they beat the 49ers in San Francisco by two touchdowns. They're, they're just playing so well. Lamar Jackson's playing so well. I think John Harbaugh has made the right call in, in sitting his starters, even though they lost to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh earlier in the year. And I'm sure Harbaugh, Harbaugh was thinking, yeah, I don't want to get swept by the Steelers, our arch rival. But certainly he, he has been wise to ignore that temptation to play Lamar Jackson, who was injured last year, didn't play in the playoffs, and they've got to have him. Certainly, I think the Steelers are, are a great story this year. That that they another team that's been able to to weather the storm at quarterback and having started three guys, not four like the Vikings or the Browns, but but they've started three. And Mason Rudolph ha- has gotten hot at the end of the year, and and their difficult receiver Pickens is making plays, and and so it, yeah, the, the I think the Steelers will certainly should win this game against the Ravens number two players you would expect and whether they can get in to the playoffs depends on all the tiebreakers but a great job by Mike Tomlin to to keep them on track when when they could have packed it in when they were struggling and he has got them probably in a 10-win season which is really I, I would say super impressive what what they've done in Pittsburgh this year and and just um so, yeah, I, I definitely like the Steelers this week against Baltimore. Buffalo at Miami, uh, two really intriguing teams that have had very interesting seasons. Yeah, the Bills beat the Dolphins 48-20 to in week four, and they've won four straight. They're in a weird spot. They could get eliminated from the playoffs with a loss, or they could win the division with a win and be the number two seed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a, that's a crazy scenario in the AFC. I think Buffalo is really playing well. Josh Allen is being more careful with the ball. I think that the Dolphins just have not been able to step up against the top teams. And I like Buffalo in this game. And and, and plus the fact, you talk about smart coaches doing stupid things. And that was, that was Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel last week. He keeps his defensive starters in late in the game. And when they're getting ha- hammered by Baltimore – and so what happens, their best pass rusher, Bradley Chubb, tears his ACL on one of the last few plays of the game, and he's out for the season now. They've already lost Jalen Phillips, so the Dolphins' pass rush is not nearly as good as it, as, as it was and as it should have been if he had taken Chubb out of the game earlier and the starters out. So just kind of crazy what McDaniel did. But, hey, we've seen smart coaches make bad decisions and – we saw that here with the Vikings, with Kevin O'Connell specifically. We're not going to forget those two quarterback sneaks with Brandon Powell as the pusher in Cincinnati. <laughs> We're never going to forget it, Jeff. Never. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Let us all learn from that. Whatever you can learn from it in your life, learn from that. Don't do the dumb thing twice in a row. Uh, good Lord. All right. Vikings, perhaps season finale. Very slight chance they could win and get in. Uh, but but I'll, I'll tell you, Jeff, I've been covering the team since 1990, even working with it for the, you know, for the NFL, for the Vikings, around the NFL for, for even longer than that. It's just, it's been the strangest end of the season in that the Vikings keep playing meaningful games and yet there's just no, 
there's no sense of optimism around this franchise right now. No, I, I think that, that that is what happens when when injuries deplete a team, and and if you don't have the quality depth, and I think that's that's part of the equation too. That the the biggest mistake was not having a quality backup quarterback, and we've talked about this on repeatedly this year. No Wade Wilson, no Bob Lee, no. Case Keenum, no Randall Cunningham of that cal- caliber player. And so Nick Mullins is not that good, that good of a player. Josh Jobs, I, we got excited for two weeks, and then he came back to earth, and, and Jaron Hall was not ready. And I'm not even sure that he's got the arm. Mullins doesn't have the arm strength. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just difficult in this situation what's happened to the Vikings this year, definitely. And so if you're asking about the pick this week, I'm yes. going to go with De- I'm going to go with Detroit. I, I think I think I think they're going to win by I'll say by ten points in this game. I just think Dan Campbell is not the kind of coach who's going to take his foot off the gas until he's got probably a a three score lead, and then maybe he'll start pulling a few guys. And and, and they also may get C.J. Johnson Gardner back this week. Their top safety. And that will help their secondary. I think the Lions. I, I still don't trust their defense defense for 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 a big postseason run. But they they certainly could win one game. But then again, how how about if Matthew Stafford and the Rams end up in Detroit for the for the wild card round? That would be a fun game to watch. That and, would be a lot. And a I'll lot. tell you what, I I would probably pick the Rams in that situation. The way the Rams are playing right now. They're playing great. They really are. Kudos to, to McVeigh for what he's put together. Hey, good stuff from Jeff. Thank you all for listening. Happy New Year to Jeff. Happy New Year to our audience. We do appreciate it. Again, I think the off season is going to be more interesting than the regular season. So stay with us here at Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, and we will talk to you next week.